me to kick it off? You want me to top? Um, yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, all right. All right, everybody. We're here. We are uh, finally doing the projects, the Hoppy Perverts Project. Uh, kicking off with a little podcasting. Uh, I'm here with a good friend, Dag. Dag, how are you feeling about now that we're here, now that we're we're hobbying, we're meta-hobbying? Mm-hmm. How do you feel about it? Yeah, we're hobbying about hobbying. Um, I think it's great. I think everyone will assume we're doing more hobbies than we are. Um, and they True. will, they yeah. will start talking to us about how great it is and inspiring it is that we're doing hobbies. And we'll say, yeah, exactly. You're exactly right. <laughs> it's all that yeah. we're doing. <laughs> it's exactly why I keep a guitar that I never play in, uh, in the background of all my work calls. So people like think I'm like, Oh, they're like, Oh, that guy has like other shit going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess, uh, it kind of gets, gets us to i guess we should tell everybody like what we're doing why we're doing it what are we doing well we you know for guys and and folks that are uh that have a wide variety of hobbies uh and you know we just kind of wanted to talk about the process of hobbying uh you know whether that's your painting miniatures as we might find out later in this episode uh working on cars playing guitar all that good stuff um, you know, there's different ways to approach it and different ways that it interacts with your life. And kind of want to discuss, you know, how people who don't professionalize their skills uh, bring that into their life and what kind of fulfillment that brings them. Would you say that's that's kind of the goal there? Yeah, I mean, I think that what we want to do is celebrate the things you do in your life that don't pay for your bills that you're actively doing. They're things that you engage in and participate in and aren't just a consumer of, uh, whether that be just shopping or watching Netflix or listening to music. Like, what can you do in your own life um, over the past two years and a quarter? uh, We've all struggled to figure out how to um, feel good, (laughs) Keep, keep going um and things like that and and one of the things that i think you can celebrate that helps you learn about yourself and find ways to create new ways to to learn about yourself and share things with others and uh, that i mean even at the most base level occupy your time occupy the free time that you have more of than you've ever had um yeah in in hobbies and 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 celebrate that those can be things all the way from um, athletic and physically demanding things to mm-hmm. calm indoor things to very expensive things like building a $20,000 sim racing rig to very cheap things like, you know, keep, yeah, I don't know. You could make things out of um, recycled garbage if you wanted to yep. and, and glue guns and, and do things very cheaply. So, uh, this is our first attempt because we haven't stood a website up yet <laughs> to yeah. start a brand of hobby enthusiast perverts who are coming together as a community to talk about, you know, maybe not specific hobbies only, but talk about just the the act of uh, 
self-love. Yeah, yeah. What are you what are you excited about? I think that's a great point though. Like you bring up the past two years, like obviously that kind of brought like a lot of people into like, oh, what can I do with myself that isn't masturbate and watch Netflix? Um Fine you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I I love those two things, but um, you you kind of brought up the point that it's like, yeah, I think over the pandemic, we saw this kind of breakdown of consumerism in a lot of people's minds, and they really struggled with it. And you know, I think that's why so many people, you know, the classic like, I got to get back to Applebee's and the movies and shit, because people didn't really have, uh, you know, much to occupy themselves with that that drove them and i think a lot of a lot of people you know myself included maybe not so much because i am a weirdo and i have always been a weirdo but um like i enjoy i will not lie i enjoyed the pandemic for about six months (laughs) i mean yeah getting the death the death and destruction i mean notwithstanding but getting laid um, off a month into the pandemic was awesome (laughs) yeah yeah um but, you know, it, it was very hard, I think, for a lot of people to adjust and figure out, like, uh, you know, like, how can I occupy myself and, you know, not not just kind of be, you know, even like as people come in, like, you know, I remember a lot, knowing a lot of people who struggle with this and, and I did, like, when you kind of start turning 25 or so and you're like, mm-hmm. I can't just keep going to the bar yeah. every day. Um, can't like work is not this self like self realizing experience that I was told it was going to be. I'm not, you know, I, I'm not an actor. I'm not a rock star. Like a lot of that stuff, I think kind of drives like, Oh, like, well, maybe I can just be okay with just like having a fucking good time yeah, and hanging out with people, um, or hanging out with myself. I think that, that that's a big part of the growth and a big part of the kind of thing that we're kind of trying to dissect here uh, is, is, is how do you get to that and how do you find that, find that, that place. And I think that that's an interesting thread through the, the piece of your, like the quarter life crisis, which seems to be coming earlier and earlier for people now that they, you get out of um, maybe you get out of college or, or maybe you've just been by that point working for a decade and um, and you're like, Oh shit. This is this is just it. This is what it is. Yeah. And, um, you know, and it was always something that was interesting to me, you know, through studying psychology is that like you do have you're like, oh, man, I don't remember that much from my late 20s. It's like, well, I mean, like in your teens, like everything is this novel experience. You you can start to drive. You go on, you know, you you, you go on all dates in a different way and uh, you start mm-hmm. doing weird activities and you start experimenting with chemicals and and drinking and all these things and you go to college or maybe you don't and maybe you you start going to somebody's apartment and partying more and like just whatever it is you have all these new experiences uh you get your first apartment you do all these things and then at some point you stop having all these new things and like so then what do you do to have new things it's like well you try things (laughs) like you can try hobbies and you can do these things and and they have communities and there's progression and there's that kind of same level of growth within each individual context because it's all its own newness. And I think that's part of the excitement to me is like getting from the newness to where you're in the community. And that's like part of 
the experience and mm-hmm. and having that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's. I think that's part of what I hope we can get to is that the for most people, I mean, I know it's not for everybody. I know some people are we're immediately comfortable to go back, start going back to bars again. Um, but I think for most people, you know, it's like they they've lacked being in community spaces and having that kind of shared thing. And uh, mm-hmm. hopefully that's something that we can create some, some idea about, you know, and, and removing the gatekeeping and getting to where it's celebrating wherever people are at in their journey on this and whatever they're interested in doing and learning about and bring together people who are just want to work on things and share them. And uh, I don't know, eventually get together and make some shit. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I worked at a makerspace in college, and it's just like kind of like that vibe of, I'm not really into making cosplay costumes. Like, it is interesting to see, like, the detail and the, the engagement and, like, the learning that you've gone through and, like, describing techniques. And I, I've always just been excited by, by that, uh, you know, people who are excited about shit. You know, I always joke my friends it's like you know we're all friends because we're you're constantly you know we at least have a scheme or two going on mm-hmm. you know and it's like that's what you need to have you need to have a few schemes you gotta yeah. you got that's more than just like oh i wake up i go to work i wait until friday i go to the bar um and then that's it and i wake up on sunday and i feel really bad and I don't, you know i didn't do anything and i maybe get to do my laundry and you know, as so I've definitely been there. So you know, it, but that's why yeah. why we're here now is to <laughs> encourage each other not to devolve back into that. And it's fine so, if you're there. You're gonna make it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Dag, what are you? Uh, what are you working on? I guess we should we should kind of I guess introduce ourselves and our and our our deep coping mechanisms. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> acquired. <laughs> I mean, nobody else can see this, but, you know, I mean, you can see my, the pile of guitar pedals behind me. Uh, there you stuff. go. I'm, I, so I just rearranged my, my room, which is now, my hobby room is now my office <laughs> that I have to work <laughs> in every day and do hobbies in. Um, so I've got to get this tackled and finish rearranging in here. I did put some shelves up, so I got the cameras have a place to live mm-hmm. now. The wrestling figures have a place to live now. I'm buying myself more room to not put mm-hmm. things on my die table so I can do my tie-dye work. Um, mm-hmm. I have nine um, chef hats that that um, that my friend Madeline picked up from the uh, Salvation Army on Clybourne that say, uh, so it's just white hats that say chef. So I need to dye those. I'm going to try mm-hmm. the shaving cream method to dye them. So we'll see mm-hmm. how that goes. I haven't done it yet, but... Um, I have to figure out how I'm going to do it to where it doesn't look like um, sugar cookies from a gentrification bakery. <laughs> um, so I got to try to figure that out. Yeah. And then um, I have some uh, wax work uh, that I need to do for dyes. So I need to do some batik dyes for a couple people. So going to get the dye yeah. lab back in operation this week. There you uh, go. And hopefully get some dyes. And then I got to uh, do some Steely Dan guitar practice. Um, so I can sync there up with go. our good friend Colin on Friday and uh, yeah. jam with him. Yeah, this, so the tie-dye thing, I want to dive into that a little bit. Um, like, 
you know, with the tie dyes, I know that we've kind of talked. Uh, Dag is much more into the jam band scene, mm-hmm. but you know, I've always been kind of tangential to it. One thing I always kind of found a little off-putting about it is that it was a pseudo hobby, um, and it was really just going to the bars at the end of the day. <laughs> and so, Dag, like, how did you kind of expand it? Because I think that's where you got into the dye dyeing and stuff, right? Like, how did that kind of work for you? So I where you felt like you needed more. Yeah, back, I mean, back in the day when I was um, more. You're headier. Um, I, I was headier, yeah. I want to say more than <laughs> Like, you know, back when I was 16 and 17 and even 18 going into college, you know, I had a hemp necklace and uh, wore corduroy shorts and boat shoes. Before before Sperry's yeah. topsiders were the move, I, like, bought some at, like, a Catholic rummage sale, and we were just, like, you know, we'd come into class wearing our Salvation Army sweaters and, and, and you know, never be like, oh, those are the guys who smoke weed. <laughs> um, yeah. And um, the first thing I think I dyed was... Uh, I just had spilled grape, grape juice on a white T-shirt, like an under tee. Um, yeah. And then I was just like, huh, I could just probably dye the rest of this in, like, grape juice and coffee. And so it's just, like, stupid stuff like that, oh. like natural natural dyes. Um, yeah. But I never really was buying a lot of tie-dye at that point um, mm. or or making any. And it wasn't mm. really until the pandemic. Uh, I mean, like, I'm wearing mm-hmm. one of the, the first pieces I made now. It, like, looks terrible to me now. Um, mm-hmm. But I was just like, man, I'm stuck inside at my house. It's the middle of summer 2020. It's very hot. I don't have air conditioning in the back. I need tank tops. And I was mm-hmm. like, huh, I don't want some just, like, blank, plain tank tops. I'd, like, want some designs. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, instead of making those or, like, buying those, I could probably make some. So I bought, like, mm-hmm. one of each... Hanes, Fruit of the Loom, Gildan, uh, yeah. tank tops, and then looked up how to like get dye, and then bought Procyon dyes, and uh, mm-hmm. looked at some YouTube videos. Mister Tie Dye has great videos if you ever just want to start figuring out how to do things. And uh, I just consumed Mister Tie Dye videos for like months of mm-hmm. like how do you make a how do you make a mandala? How do you make a star? How do you fold mm-hmm. things? Um, and went out in the backyard, and Claire and I dyed a couple pieces, and uh, that was the start from there. And then I was just like, "Hey, I wonder if I could go and make a stencil of mm-hmm. an alien's face, mm-hmm. and see if I could actually do it." And so mm-hmm. I did one test run of a shirt that was an alien. Mm-hmm. that I tied off and then did a rainbow on the outside of and mm-hmm. ended up looking really great. And so I gave it to Carl, um, totally moon on Twitter. If, if anybody knows Carl, Carl is, uh, Carl is a visitor from, from the cosmos to, to earth. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't think of a better place for it to go. So I just gave it to Carl. Um, yeah. but then after I shared it, like I started getting DMS where people were like, Hey, can you make this? Yeah. Um, and I ended up like making six of them. Uh, and it took me a lot of time cause I had no process <laughs> yeah. for doing it. I like did different colors for everybody else. Um, mm. and it ended up being a, a super stressful headache to get them all mm-hmm. done. <laughs> oh. So you weren't, you weren't, uh, you weren't just, you, you didn't get pulled into the lot dies. You were you weren't like, uh, I'm going to be selling these to pay for my tickets. No, because I mean, and mostly because the 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 pandemic has sort of 
you know, tapered off that ability. Like, um, so like last weekend was summer camp festival and, uh, back in my hometown, which is, you know, where I got into the jam scene and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it very much influenced, uh, folks back home from going to just listening to like Dave and OAR to listening to <laughs> fish and Umphreys and Mo and, and different jam bands and, and pushing that mm-hmm. even harder than, you know, a couple guys who discovered weed in high school would have. Um, mm-hmm. And, and yeah, so like from, from there, it's like, I, I, in my head could have envisioned like going back home for the weekend, hanging out with my mom and then going to the festival with a backpack full of tie dyes and just walking around and selling them to people. Um, mm. but I haven't done that yet. It's something I'd like to do at some point just cause I think it'd be mm. fun. Um, yeah, but it's, I typically, since I've been working commission based when I make stuff for other people, mm. I haven't like built up a backlog of things I could just take somewhere. Right. Right. Well, I guess, uh, I don't know. I guess my main hobby, I guess, at this point is cars um, because I am now in my 30s and have like a stable job and a house (laughs) and things like that um, because I never really had a car until I moved to North Carolina, uh, but I was really big into bikes. Uh, I was huge into bikes. Like that G- was the first GTs? Thing. <laughs> no, not those. Like, uh, like, uh, like bicycles. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like a, no, like a GT. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I got gotcha. GT was like um, the, GT was like the bike in Peoria where like there would be a kid who would be trying to like sell you one for $200. Um, but oh, he like definitely no, no. stole it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I got into that and it was like the first time. It really opened my eyes to like how you could just like not have to do everything people tell you that you have to do to survive in this world. Um, because yeah, like I had a frame that I got for like 200 bucks and put together a single speed, which is a lot easier to ride in mm. Illinois. Um, it's flat and, if you don't know. Yeah. And I went everywhere on it. Like I, I did not own a car yeah. for a very long time. So yeah, so I kind of, like, learned, yeah, you know, like, how parts work in bolts and that shit. Um, She's, like, and... cycling failed. What's up? You cycling failed. <laughs> yeah, you went from, yeah. You went well, from being a car abolitionist to a car pervert. Well, I, yeah, I really get a lot of shit for that, actually, from a lot of people who knew me from a long time <laughs> ago. Um, yeah, so... Um, the only people yeah, so, who should have cars are perverts. That's our official yeah, stance. Yeah, I, yeah. You, so this is not to say I think that we need to continue having cars as anything more than, like, what the equivalent of people who own horses. Mm-hmm. Uh, that should be about what your car should be. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so, you know, I, I kind of always have worked on my own bike and to, and, and kind of customized it a bit and used it a lot. But then, like the Ag is saying, during the pandemic, I also um, kind of was like, well, it's always been a dream of mine to know how to work on a car. They've been very mis- like mystical to me. Um, it's always something that I never understood how it worked. Um, and a buddy of mine that I worked with uh, was really into cars. And I asked him, I was like, oh, like you've probably been doing this like forever, right? And he's like, no, I taught myself like in my 30s. And I bought a Miata. And uh, so... That was probably two years before this, and I was like, oh, I was like, well, maybe I'll buy a Miata someday, because like, you know, I was driving, 
even though I didn't have a car. And uh, so I bought a Miata finally, and I've basically just begun process. There's nothing wrong with it. I have created all of the issues that are wrong <laughs> with the car now um, by removing things, putting things that were like not really designed for the car. And, um, and I started small. Uh, you know, I started with just changing the spark plugs and, and put a new dash uh, head unit in so I could use my Google Maps. And and just kept getting bigger and bigger. Like I did my shocks and springs. I changed them to like adjustable stuff. So I, you know, cause, cause I raced my car so much that I obviously needed uh, really tunable suspension well, sure. uh, components. You have to be able uh, to um, take the, the extensive curbing at VIR. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I did. I started doing that, and I, I took it apart. And like recently, uh, you know, I, I put a supercharger on it, which is probably the biggest modification that I made. And it it's fucking nuts. I haven't gotten to drive it yet. But um, when I did that, when I was doing, that was the first project I did where I was really like, wow, like you really do know some stuff. Uh, like you have grown a lot. Like I've had about a year and a half. Mm -hmm a little bit less than a year and a half and like nothing in the install caught me off guard. I wasn't like unsure of what any of the parts were. I wasn't sure like what I was taking off, like where it needed to go, like what it did, like everything. I knew all of it. I knew all of them. And you know, that was a lot too is like, so like after I bought the Miata, um, you know, my wife obviously got really jealous that I had a cool car now. So then she had to buy one mm -hmm. and she bought this like uh this Japanese market uh, four by four that's like based on the samurai. How did how uh, did she determine that's what she wanted? I don't know, man. She wanted a Wrangler for a while, and I was like, well, like that's a lot of car for a lot of money, <laughs> and it's like you're you're like gonna have a pavement princess, and it's like you should find something different. And I kept telling her, I was like, you know, like we should try and find like a tracker, like that's what that's what you want. You want something that's like convertible top and like a little utility bit of a utility vehicle yeah so she had kind of been like looking for him and she found this car and i'm like well like just so you know like you know this is going to be like an advanced level project to own <laughs> and like and it, it you know it's low mileage so a lot of the stuff isn't bad on it uh that that would be like a true headache but it certainly really was a lot of stuff that like had i not gone through just doing all this on the Miata when it wasn't broken and like learning about, and then I also bought a 78 Cadillac and learned a lot of this stuff, like how to like kind of have more generic skills. Like when you're looking at a car, you're like, well, like I don't know exactly how they put that piece on for these models of cars, but I know it has to be there and mm -hmm. I know what it would vaguely look like. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think without that kind of level that I'd gotten to, like, I'd I would have been like let's we have to sell this car like this fucking thing is a did nightmare. You any, did you have any? Um, uh, I know like in in Chillicothe we had like a fair amount of vocational classes. Um, oh so yeah, like we so, did so we did like small engines, um, and then we did like auto repair. Yeah yeah and, yeah. So uh, we did and have I, that. I was the TA for small engines when I was a senior, which was just we did we did have that, that and they to told me that that, that class. <laughs> class is for dumb people well that's what my that's what my 
uh, you know, counselor yeah. told me. They pulled me in and they said, you are not allowed to take that class because it is for dumb people. And I you didn't are know they were that um, classist on the east side of the Illinois River. Well, yes, they are. Um, yeah, they, <laughs> this was also, you know, in the 2000s. Uh, it was, you know, it was a different time back then. But, yeah, that's literally what they told me. Wow. And so, yeah, so that's kind of always carried with me. And it's been like something. It's like, well, I don't, I, I like, I understand how math works. I don't understand how a fucking car works. Mm-hmm. Like, can you, like, this would have been interesting to me. The one so, I wish I would have taken was electronics. I yeah, I still don't I didn't know how take, electricity works. I didn't works. take that. And, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. That's something I might like making guitar pedals and doing like wiring yeah. on the guitars is something I'll probably do for this project just because it's something yeah. to do and it's something I need to have done. Um, but I, yeah. at the same time, like I pull I pull up wiring diagrams. And I'm just like, I don't fucking know. Yeah, I've learned a little bit about that with the cars, like especially the Cadillac, you know, being so old, it was like a lot of like tracing wires. But like there weren't really like like I still don't really understand like electricity goes where it does and things like that like why you put a resistor like all that shit i'm like even dude even when i'm taking my battery off i still freak out that it's that i'm gonna like be electrocuted (laughs) dude i you know it's just like it's a mystical force to me and when you're when you're really a garage three beer mechanic is when you're you're like, oh, I think that solenoid's dead on the starter, and then you're you're jumping it with like a screwdriver, like yeah, that's always no, the, like the all the old boys in like the motorcycle shop, you know. Um, yeah, so it's like yeah. My family had the motorcycle shop, and so like when when you worked the parts counter, which is what I did for most of the time I worked there, you're also involved in not officially giving repair advice, um, right? Because you're like you're looking up schematics, and it's like one thing for me to be like, look, if you're gonna go into that crankcase. You're going to tear up the gasket because I can see by the way you sign your signature that you're like, you're not, <laughs> you're, you're not, you're not tactile. Uh, so you're going to tear this up and you're like, you're going to want to replace all these O-rings because like, otherwise you're screwing around. And they're like, why does that O-ring cost $5? It's like, cause it's from Honda. I don't, I really don't know what you want, man. I'm sorry. Um, but you know, it's like, they're like, well, I think it's that starter solenoid. Cause I, I crossed a screwdriver across it and it fired up and you're like, hell yeah, man. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, that's that is the one thing like I will say if you're getting into cars, it is very intimidating because they're very expensive. Like it's very it's probably the most one of the most expensive things you've ever bought in your life, other than if you own a house. And and it also can kill you. Like, I mean, if you like don't install stuff correctly, like yes, you can die. But I also remember, you know, like you're saying, when I'm working on the car, A, you remember A, it's just car parts. It all makes sense. It's all supposed to fit together somehow. And B, think about the people you know who have worked on their cars. Like, you know, I'm not trying to be like the school counselor <laughs> in Bloomington, Illinois, but, but you know, like you definitely have seen some stuff out there. That you're like, wow, like how is that guy not dead yet? And you're like, so because I have the thought in my head, like, I don't want to die, you'll probably be, like, a little bit in front of that guy, at least. Yeah, that's <laughs> and true. he's not dead. So, you know. That's true. I mean, I think now of the, um, I think that as much as, like, the old retired guy, car show guy exists in people's mind, like, I, I think there's a lot of people who don't see or think about the 22-year-old cartooners 
like right. the the new future of young guy who they you know like the thing like you know like jackson shared with like uh or maybe you have off of like facebook of like kids who are driving like 20 miles both ways because they have to get like specific mixtures of of fuels to like meet their whatever their tune is and it's on like a chevy cobalt and you're like yeah. who would do that and you're like the guy who could only afford a chevy cobalt <laughs> yeah i mean that is the thing that really sucks about cars is not that they were ever really that cheap but have become a lot more expensive in sure. the past few years um Sure, I've it got has a poster. Taken a lot of the fun out of it. I've got a poster here that from the my family's motorcycle shop. And the date is, um, let's see, 1985, September 24th. Um, how much do you think that a Ninja 600 Kawasaki is in September of 1985? Like maybe twelve hundred dollars. It is. It was three thousand two hundred ninety nine oh. in nineteen eighty five. In the seventies, in the seventies, your like top of the line bikes are like between fifteen hundred and like twenty five hundred dollars. So yeah. like as a, as a nineteen year old guy, you get out of high school or gal, whatever you want. Um, you get out of high school and you like go to the factory, and you start working shifts and maybe your union, and you can go and you can buy a bike. And now, they start at nine thousand nine hundred and ninety nine and yeah. you don't have any credit score <laughs> you, you know yeah i mean even just like you know a lot of the stuff that people think of like as being kind of the cars you work on you know like everybody has seen the tune civics and the you know these like goofy little old japanese cars that that people have done crazy stuff to and like make them really loud and kind of fast not really fast but a little bit faster Certainly louder. Uh, and like where a lot of people cut their teeth before they buy a real car and kind of don't go so bonkers on that one. Um, those cars like don't exist as much anymore because, it, you know, like there's just no car you can buy for like two grand that like right. still runs. And you could you could <clears throat> dump a little bit of money into just to learn on. and. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a lot of hobbies is like is like people now like this people who make the stuff or whatever like know that it's better to keep like a more restricted market on on things and it's just harder to have like a cheap hobby because like you know people who like say like to like archive video games or like build custom stuff for those all that stuff becomes more expensive because like whatever reason and yeah it, it is really sad entry point i think for a lot of like things that used to be like maybe not cheap like cars were yeah. never cheap but it was like hey, you could have a car that wasn't very reliable that you could like kind of learn to work on your reliable car and keep and then end up saving a lot of money in the long run because i mean i very rarely ever bought pay for mechanic now after a year of learning and i mean that saves you at least twice the cost of everything you know like yeah. everything to install is just you know twice as much yeah like your, if you're your labor to do it. your labor is going to start at 100 bucks an hour and go up from there and yeah. anything that you want to have done i mean if you want to have somebody touch your fuel tank they need to take off x number of panels to even get to it so you're right. i mean you're you're paying for work that isn't even the work that you're hoping to have yeah. done because it yeah. costs somebody time to do it um, right 
and and to get through that. Um, but yeah, I think yeah. that's like that's like obviously you know on the expensive end where you either have to learn by design to either one have a thing function or two just yeah. like to mit- mitigate cost um, to get yeah. that to get that back down. But um, even like and also you have to have some pedals. space. You know, you have to have yeah. the space to keep a car, you know, because it's just like, yeah, yeah. if I but even even like you bring up building guitar pedals like that's gotten so much more expensive. And sure. it's just like it kind of sucks that I feel like a lot of people are now like it's like it's harder for you to want to be the hobbyist that works on your own stuff, like to partially to save money. Like now you have to be a hobbyist because you want to do it, like as opposed to like, yeah. oh, this is a good way to save a little bit of money and learn how things work. And just feel a little bit of pride that I did it. Like, and now it's like, they're like, oh, we're, we're going to charge you for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so I think that's the thing with like, um, it's like I, I studied autonomy and the, the f- theory or framework we worked with them and we approached it was self-determination theory. And it's basically describing the, the, you know, how, why people do behaviors and how they, you know, keep engaging in them. And so people are using that to look at like education, like how do you help kids mm. study and learn? But you can use it uh, in our lab. We used it for exercise. Like how do you get people to behave in these healthy engage in, you know, and um, behaviors and mm. continue to do these healthy be- behaviors so that they, you know, um, don't have shitty hearts and feel and feel bad and feel tired all the time. Mm. And so like it basically though runs from all the way from like, I don't want to do this activity at all. And you can think of that right. as like doing the dishes. Like I don't want to do the dishes. <laughs> like mm. you're not going to do the dishes if you don't want to do the dishes. Uh, but then you move up and it's like, Oh, and then, but what if, your significant other or your roommate told you, if you don't do the dishes, you're getting kicked out. It's like, well then now I have a reason to do the dishes, but as soon as they stop threatening me, (laughs) I'm not doing the dishes. Um, But then you can start doing more internalized things. And that's the whole goal is internalizing these activities. And like Mm -hmm. from there, it's just like, well, um, you know, maybe I have a goal to not let the dishes sit for more than two days. Like now you're, Mm -hmm. now you're doing the dishes every two days and that's a goal that you have. But then it could be I want to have the dishes done before my friends come over. And then what happens? Mm. You start sticking di- dishes in the in the cabinets or whatever. But basically, it just moves on until you either um, start having an identity as somebody who has a clean kitchen, um, and that's part of who you are, uh, or mm. you you just realize you know what I actually enjoy that after being on a computer and looking at screens all day every day for the past decade, uh, it's nice to just put my hands in soapy water that's warm for 15 minutes. And I actually just enjoy doing that. Or maybe I'm finding new techniques for how to clean dishes the right way mm-hmm. um, or, you know, things like that. And so I think that's to me where it's just like you, you have so much through these different hobbies where like you, once you become a, a car pervert, like you're mm-hmm. fixing things because it's embarrassing to go and take your car in to get repaired when all your other friends are doing brake drums themselves. Um, right. Or, learning about how the brake drum works is really exciting to you or finding new techniques for how to bore a cylinder is fun. Um, I still can't believe that, um, that our buddy John has mm. just ported his own heads on his Volvo after like never having a car before. Like he is, he is learning about processes that are specialty car processes. Like he's not just making his car run. He's like eking out <laughs> fractions yeah. of performance out of his car that's older than him yeah um, yeah i think that that that's kind of the trade-off i guess uh in where in in hobbies in 2022 
is that, yes, while sometimes they're more expensive or inaccessible in a lot of ways, the amount of information that you can get on how to do something is fucking unreal at this point. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I mean, I can't imagine ever having figured out how to work on a car in the bad old days when, like, you had to go to the library and, like, find service manuals for stuff and... You know, you get you get to a point where like have to like order stuff without the internet. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, the, I mean, the day does. before I moved to Chicago from downstate, my right window on my Honda Element failed. So just like the day before going to the big city as a downstate guy, it's just like now I don't have a window that closes. <laughs> like can't can't be in the city with a window that doesn't close. You know, somebody will steal all my values from my Honda element. Um, So I took that one to the shop, got it repaired at the shop, whatever. It wasn't a big deal. Cost what it costs. But then a couple years later, the left window went because like, why wouldn't Mm. it's just that regulator is going to be tired. And uh, that time I was just like, you know what? Fuck that. (laughs) Like the, the auto zone up the street has one, has a window regulator for this car. There's a Mm. YouTube video. That's 10 minutes long of a guy who looks like, John Popper from Blues Traveler, not even joking. He even had like a hat on. Um, and he's just like, 10 minutes, here's how you take apart a, you know, first generation Honda Element door panel and replace the window regulator. And I did it mm. on the side of the street in the rat crap. And it was easy. It took me half an hour. I'm like, just watch yeah. the video. It's just, it's just shit. I think, I, yeah, I think the other thing too is, and I know the guy, so like, there's a video channel called Donut Media that's like kind of, Mm-hmm. Like millennial car guys um and they do a series on having a pro- like what is owning a project car like which you know project car generally means like one that you're modifying and probably has stuff wrong with it and you're trying to restore it to glory or whatever and they talk about in it uh about how like when you get into stuff like that like working on cars or even like going back to me working on bikes opens up your brain and like your way of thinking to being like oh now i have like a bit of autonomy in my life there oh my fucking washing machine broke like it probably works about the same way Mm -hmm. like it's there's parts they were put there on purpose it's probably held together with 10 millimeter bolts (laughs) if it's japanese um and like i could probably find like Find if it's leaking, that means water is going to be coming out from somewhere. So I can find that piece, go take it to a fucking store or whatever, or look online and buy it and put it on. And I think that that's a lot of what I get from hobbies. Yeah. Is that it gives you this like kind of more confidence to be able to say, I can figure out other things now. Like I can figure out the harmonica, I can play the harmonica and I approach it the same way. I can figure out how to play the banjo. I can learn to drive my car uh, like a race car driver does. Um, you know, and it, it does kind of suck because I feel like the trade-off, you know, it has been you aren't as active in, like, a community of people whose face you know what they look like, <laughs> you know, which is, you know, part of the reason why, you know, I wanted to try and get into hobbies is because I moved to a new place and I don't know any money. And it's like, well, like, maybe if I get into some stuff, like I'll meet people and that's kind of the trade-off is like now I feel like a lot of people into hobbies 
are kind of siloed right. into oh like you only talk about that in the forums or whatever um not to say i haven't met people eventually but you know it is yeah like it's kind of uh both the gift and the curse of the internet is that like that yeah now now you have both the confidence and the ability to figure out like anything mechanical that is in your house or your apartment or your bike or whatever um but you know it is it is like harder to feel engaged in like an actual community should we um should we roll that thought into the uh our hobby meditation of the week yeah yeah let's do that yeah so i, I so something we want to kind of do is is you know besides obviously jack jaw and <laughs> ramble about ourselves is is we kind of want to toy with different aspects of the the philosophy and the and the the ups and downs of hobby living and hobby lifestyle like there are certain things you know like being able to have an approach where you can fix things is great because you're you it, it eliminates a barrier to resolving the problems you know if anybody's read zen in the art of motorcycle maintenance it's like you know, he's going crazy about his friend who has a drip leaky faucet that he never fixes. Like, how do you how do you become the person who fixes the leaky faucet instead of saying, yeah. oh, hey, sorry, that cabinet on that door doesn't close right. Like, well, it was like, how do you get to where you can fix it? What do you need? And, and like, be, it, be clear, when you have a project car, you learn to just accept the leaky faucet sometimes. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. That's, the, that's one of the most popular, uh, like, TikTok instagram reel like audio clips is just like oh she's good as the day she came off the lot and just like does it rattle like a bucket of bolts it's like oh yeah <laughs> like it's just I was like, gonna say believe me trying to sell the cadillac i realized that i have been ignoring the leaky faucet to some people uh, yeah you know yeah <laughs> yeah it's yeah you're nobody's nobody's worried about the tolerances on the vibes <laughs> boat yeah. um but at the same time it's like so there are these different things right and like one piece of this is the um, the ability to then intuit because I have done these unrelated projects, I should be able to do anything and I'm the master for being able to do anything. And then the other is like taking this level of like perfectionism um, where you're afraid to fail because you don't actually know what you're doing and mm. you're kind of building up the requirements of the task to the point that um you're keeping yourself from actually enjoying it right like at the end of the day like even if you have to change your brakes which sucks like you have to find some way <laughs> to to enjoy doing it or at least to have it not be this huge burden um and i think that's something that i i, I specifically feel like i see a lot is this kind of like this mm -hmm. fear of doing the thing like what if i don't do it well enough um, mm -hmm. what if, you know, what if, uh, well, you know, I could, I could do it this week, but like, I haven't cleaned the garage all the way out, so I can't do it. Or, mm -hmm. you know, I'm a little bit tired today. Like the, yeah. like being honest, I think it's <clears throat> important to be honest with yourself where you're actually, where those barriers are real and where you're actually inventing that fear of failure and trying to use your autonomy and your sense of control to control all mm. these factors that aren't actually related to the outcomes you're looking at. Right. Right. Um, like something I always think about is like when it comes to like things I've gotten into, like making cocktails, cooking, making tie dye, 
whatever it is, by simply doing it and and having a process by which you're trying to learn these new skills and figure things out, you're getting to a point where other people you know probably aren't, right? Yeah, and so exactly. Like, like you might make ribs in your smoker that are middling. They're mid. The ribs are mid to you. But you have your friend over who only gets ribs from what? The, the Golden Corral. And they're like, oh, my God. These are some of the best ribs I've ever had. Right. Like, like it's that there's like that level of, of comparison just from where you get in that space. I think you see it a lot. Like, I feel like that's a really classic music, like, especially guitar, electric mm-hmm. guitar, huge thing, electric guitar, where they call it, they call it gear acquisition syndrome, where you become so obsessed with crafting your tone. Yeah. Instead of actually learning to play your guitar correctly. And, I, you know, that, that comes up in a lot of stuff. And I think that that is, that's another word, you know, talking about the internet and its impact on hobbies. That has been the biggest negative influence, I think, is that people see this whole breadth of stuff you can get mm-hmm. for the hobby. And then so then they become, the hobby becomes buying the stuff for the hobby as opposed to doing the hobby. And it's definitely very tempting. And it goes back to our earlier conversation about it's like, you know, being American or, you know, whatever, uh, you know, living under capitalism, mm-hmm. like we have been just so trained to be consumers. And oh, like, yeah. that's how you engage with shit. And it's like, I, I, you know, I don't want to say it's like a direct one to one, but it's certainly like, it's, it certainly is like people get this kind of like this, like reward, like, Oh, I bought the vibe pedal. So that's like, basically I play like Jimi Hendrix. I'm, Hendrix. I'm closer. I'm closer to playing like Jimi Hendrix. If I had just practiced, I have I have the fuzz, <laughs> I have the fuzz <laughs> face. That's the that's the original right. circuitry. Yeah, yeah, like, and, man, yeah. People get so fucking obsessed with it. So like guitars, my, my thing right now, I'm thinking of is like, um, I don't have really good needle tip bottle applicators for tie dye, and when you do like mandalas or things where you have, I mean, no one else can see this, but you can see this. Like once you get stuff like this, right, where you've yeah. got these little these little nubs, like yeah. it's difficult to dye those without having a lot of precision about how much dye is going into them. But at the same right. time, I could do that with what I have by working very carefully and slowly. I just don't like working that way. <laughs> like, like I more so like rather than like pre- deadly accuracy in my tie dye. I like the idea of like, this is an expressive thing that you should do a yeah. little bit. I mean, you don't have to be high. You can do it sober, but like you should be listening. <laughs> you should be listening. Like even if you even if you're sober, you should be like listening to a show, and it should feel like you're you know drawing energy out of yourself. Like it's it's yeah, a yeah, yeah. it's an active process. You're literally spreading color on blank canvases. Yeah. Um, and and I think that part of the magic to me, when I get too worried about whether or not things turned out the way I wanted, is it's like the die will go where the die wants to go, and that's like. It's kind of an excuse, but it's also just like that. Let the universe take some, some character in there. Like some of the things that are unexpected are the best things that you can have come out. Um, yeah. And you can't control it anyway. And if it didn't turn out the way you wanted, just make another one. Like it. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. It's just it's it's an it's you know or figure out why it went that way. Um, and I think that's where you get to being a really like a real hobbyist when you. Yeah. Do a project and not that you beat yourself up about it, but that you have things you would, you want to do differently the next time. 
that's always my tell of like when you realize yeah. you're on a hobby. Cause like, yeah, I was just talking about that with my harmonica teacher. He's like, he's like, your temptation is like you, when we're practicing and he's talking about practice and he's like, he's like, we, you, you know, like you don't want to do it because it's boring and mm-hmm. it sucks. And then, but you get to, but you're like, you're doing the more expressive forms of, playing and you realize that there's there's things that you're not doing right if you do want like that's what i think a lot of people stop their hobbies or whatever it's like they get past the point where it's like okay like for instance like playing harmonica it's like yeah i can go to a blues jam and like i can play fine and people like it and shit but like, i knew little things that i didn't do yeah. but it wasn't but learning that first part where i was like oh like i don't know how to play harmonica at all to like being able to survive with other people and shit obviously that was much more exciting than uh than now when i have to go and play scales and shit right yeah exactly Um, yeah you know he was talking about he's like he's like you really just need to find little things that you can digest and work on them a little bit and find results there and like you'll still get it like Mm -hmm. and then you can you can still keep doing the part that in that you enjoy it grows so much better if like you're like you're saying not beating yourself it's very delicate line yeah like being like i don't beat myself up about it and i'm like i'm a little bit of a perfectionist it's like you have to find something wrong else you won't grow anymore i think like, you have to have the the perfectionism is something to use as inspiration to do the things when they suck but yeah. uh, but you also have to remember i think to be to be mindful right like why yeah. Why did the colors on this dye turn out poorly? It's just like, well, because I let that bottle of dye sit for a week on my counter and I decided yeah. to use it, even though I knew it was probably close to being bad and it was a little bit right. dull. And that's what it is. And it's like you can yeah. sit and beat yourself up about it or you can just be like, well, I need to be more careful with that. I need they're, to be better. About they're that. still pretty cool. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I know some things that I could do better. And maybe in two years, I'll think this thing looks like or sounds like shit or you know, but it's like, well, that's all part of the process is like, I think it's about like feeling good about what you're doing when you do it. And then enough that you can keep going. And then like later you can be like, Oh, like I was, I was a fucking joker. Like, like, like I was just a total joker, dude. Like, what was I thinking that this was good? That's fine. Later, way later. You can look back (laughs) on way later and be like, Oh, what a joker I was. But you know, like, and and I don't even think you know. I think it you you do even have to kind of detach yourself from this like linear process mindset and just be like, oh, I'm just enjoying. I'm just enjoying like figuring something new out. Yeah. Like that's that's what you should like. I feel like really need to focus on. It's like, okay, well, like if I'm if I like this thing, and so then I get engaged in it, and then once I've learned it, like you know that that. They say like that learning curve, you know, is like kind of an exponential curve. Like you learn like a shitload of stuff at the beginning yep. and then it becomes all refinement. Yeah. And and like, you know, like you just have to be able to take those like little things. It's like, oh, like this is really what separates like people who know what they're doing from like people who don't. And that's just as big of a gain as it is to, to just be able to play or to be able to tie dye shirt or to be able to yeah. change your shocks on your car. So, I mean, I think the thing is like the. Like one of the like one of the ways you can self defeat is by looking at those chores, practicing, 
um, cleaning things up, preparing things. Like for me, for dye work, I have to clean all the bottles out, clean all the jars I mix dye out. Uh, I have to wash the shirts. I have to tie the shirts. I Reminded to... me why I gave up brewing beer. I mean, I, yeah, and, and this, is, <laughs> this is less sterilization needed, you know, but then I have to mix the dye. And if it's thickened dye, I have to let it sit for three hours so that it can like settle down um, and, and thicken up. And so it's like, yeah. that can be in, in and of itself. I can be like, man, I want to bang a dye out. Um, and I have a process by which I can do that now because I learned how to use, um, the hot water irrigation technique that, um, uh, I think surreal pencil is his handle on Instagram. Um, but I learned the process this, by which this guy was using, um, like medical grade diastolic pumps because the, the, it like rubs the, it like runs the a wheel on the tube in a way that it pumps instead of like mm-hmm. the, the fluid going into the pump because the, you have chemicals in there and it would all mm-hmm. gunk up. Uh, so he used like a, he started for himself using this type of medical pump and a um, crock pot to use like to do hot water irrigation tie dye, which is basically mm-hmm. like an ice dye, but you're just running hot alkaline soda ash over the top. Um, and I didn't want to do that, but what I figured out is that I could use my sous vide, which I already have, and I could just put bottles of soda ash into my sous vide tank, and then I could do that process myself. So if I really was like, I want to produce a shirt within 20 minutes, I can do it now because I unlocked that process for yeah. myself, and I can do that. But if I want to do my other stuff, I need to be like, okay, I need to like find ways to not let these be barriers and just be like, well, I might not be able to make shirts today, but I can do these chores for myself. I can get these things out of my way. I can be more intentional about like, Hey, when I am playing some stupid tap game on my phone, um, or reading, trying to figure out why this person is getting yelled at by everybody on Twitter, I could just be like rinsing bottles out in the sink. Yeah. It takes 10 minutes. Yeah, I think that that's like, you know, talking about too, like guys who like when you, when you, when you get into it and you're like watching all these videos and like these people that's like seem like so untenably genius about like what they're doing, <laughs> you have to like realize too that like they basically everything they know, they went through the same thing yeah. and they might have like invented one extra step. <laughs> like that's really how all of life works. And I think that that's intimidating too. I think a lot of people get really intimidated sure. like, I can never be that smart. It's like, well, I mean, to be honest, like most people who know anything about anything, they don't really know anything. They're they're just going off what other people oh, told yeah. them. Like, I mean, you um, know, like it's the classic standing on shoulders of giants stuff. You know, like like we all are. Like none of us really came up with anything that original. No. Like maybe our special combination is is individual i think that that's certainly true you but. learn you learn that whenever you started whenever you'd search like oh I, I came up with this great pun and then you go search it on twitter and every 20 follower account posted it in 2013 cuz you didn't invent it yeah. it's like it's the we only have so many thoughts in our heads but yeah. something that a prof, my psych professor said uh, my social psychology professor in undergrad tony herman he said um, he was like one day in class which is cool uh, he was like, you know, like, I'm not any smarter than anybody in this room. Like, I don't have more aptitude. I have studied this specific area of expertise right. for 20 years. For 20 years, I've right. been in an academic <clears throat> setting, reading articles and doing research and talking to people about these topics. So I know a lot about them. And in the same way, 
people that are obsessed with these topics, um, even in short periods of time. I mean, like, you know, um, um, I don't like talking about Gladwell anymore because he, <laughs> <laughs> he thinks Sandusky was fine and nobody's fault. But the, but the 10,000 hours thing, like, you can get to where you have the amount of immersion that somebody would have had in the 70s over years from doing work in people's garages or finding a service manual or things like that, whatever it is, like we could go and you could consume all of the basic knowledge from Reddit within a mm. matter of hours. You can know yeah. the basic requirements of any level of thing. And then from there, it's actually doing physical engagement with that thing and understanding how it works Absolutely. for you Absolutely. and getting there. So like the amount that we can go is in, on our own is very quick, especially compared yeah. to the past. Um, but if you ever feel like you're the genius and you've invented something nobody else did, you might need to check because <laughs> you you're, you're either doing something wrong or you're overlooking the the difficulty or the requirements or you're just like inventing new problems. And again, at that point, it, it is. I mean, bring it back and check in. Like, well, am I doing what needs to be done to get this done? Like, is this an actual That's, requirement? Because there are things where if you you can like it doesn't matter if I mix my dyes the same way every time or not. Nobody knows. Nobody knows right. what that should look like. But me. Um, but I don't want to short anybody when I make them something. So like, what do I need to do to, to get the work done and do it the right way and also enjoy it at the end of the day. And if somebody's paying me for it, they need to enjoy it too. And where am I just like becoming crazy? And for some people, the hobby might be just inventing those little interim interlude pieces and, and the little interstitials. But at that point, get a get a job in operations. You know, yeah. if you want to do that, go, go work in a warehouse and, and work in logistics where, a couple seconds per item is huge money for the business, right? Right? Like, don't do that in your yeah. own life. Don't do Six Sigma in your own life. The people at Motorola <laughs> who came up with Six Sigma should be in hell. Um, yeah. It's it's ruined everybody's lives, and it's part of why the labor force sucks ass. But don't do that to yourself. Like, you're these are these are your things to enjoy, and that's the thing for me is like these doing my chores to get my dye stuff ready. It shouldn't be chores. Like th that's work that I'm doing. It's like investing time to allow myself to feel joy and excitement and things that I can share with other people. And, and I have to break that up into making it its own Zen practice of like, this is when I do this practice, I clean these things up and that's my meditation to prep, to do the work and to enjoy that work. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh. I think that's a good place to lead into our interview that we have coming in. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we are going to cut to our good friend, Jane, uh, from the batting round podcast. And we're going to talk to her a little bit about her hobbies. So why don't we cut to that? All right, we are now here with Jane, Jane of the Batting Around Podcast. How are you, Jane? I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, having me on, Adam. Of course, as a, a legendary hobby pervert poster for a while <laughs> yes. there, we we had to kick off the podcast with someone who has kind of, uh, you know, they you kind of very deliberately went into hobbies uh, for a minute there. Oh, I, I, I mean, I very much still am, but I'm a... I'm one of the dilettantes of all time. Like I switch around on, on my hobbies quite a bit. Um, what you're referring to is when I was doing like miniature painting and Warhammer 40k stuff. Uh, and I 
plan on getting back into that, but the problem was that I only liked doing it in my garage. And so when it got cold, I couldn't really do that. But now that it's warm again, I want to start doing that again. But like, I don't know, I always have some sort of hobby going. Um, recently got sucked back into fucking Magic the Gathering, <laughs> and that's been taking up a bunch of time and money. Uh, I post about that a, a little bit now, but yeah, the, the, the hobby streak and the Warhammer posts, like, I, I hope will come back. So they Yeah, can- like... Oh, go ahead, Dick. I was just going to say, so like, I think the thing, like the, the, the hundred days of hobby or the hobby streak thing, I mean, I think that was yeah. like an interesting thing to us just because, I mean, it's, I would assume for most people, I know it's definitely for me, like I have done any number of hobbies for two weeks to months on end and then, right. and then it kind of falls off and it's, it's simple things like, um, I'm not going to go reverse dye a t-shirt by boiling it in my yard if it's six degrees. Um, like I'm not going to do that. Um, and so there are like, really, there are things that are actual barriers and there are things where it's just like, you know, things just stop being fun for a minute. So like actually making sure that you're and having some sort of drive to do it every day. I mean, I think it's something where it's like, you know, like what, what did you maybe learn out of that process of handling it that way? Or like, did it help or was it? Yeah. The hobby streak definitely helped a lot. The, the idea behind it, like I didn't make that up. Um, I became familiar with it from a miniature painting YouTuber that I really like named Dana Howell. And she's on like something like day 1300 of her hobby streak. And like, she, she like cut her hand open so bad that it like, you know, like hit a tendon and she had to go to the hospital and stuff. And she still was back later that day, like doing something with one hand. (laughs) Um, and so like, I don't know, that's kind of inspiring, but I, I like the hobby streak thing. Like it makes you do it for at least a half an hour every day. Cause it takes about. 20 minutes or so to like really get into the zone on something to enter that flow state that they call it. And I really like the hobby streak because it was kind of like, it's almost like an accountability thing. It's like, I mean, I don't know any of you freaks, um, Warhammer posts, but it, I don't know. I like the validation that I get from it. I like the yeah. dopamine hits of the, of the faves on, on, you know, and seeing the numbers go up on Twitter and stuff. Um, but it, I don't know. It's a, it, and then like, hitting those numbers every day, making the posts. Like, I, I don't know. I just really like that. And I like, I like showing the stuff off that I was making too. It was like, I was making some progress and I wanted to show people like, Hey, check out this cool thing that I just made. And you were three, you ended up 3d printing your own, right? Yeah. That's kind of where I started with the Warhammer stuff. I wanted to do it for a long time, but it's just like a very intimidating hobby. It's like, and it's and it can be very expensive. Yeah. 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 It's expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, the painting like has a quite a learning curve on it. I had a very, very good painter and artist teach me how to do it and get me started, which was good. But I started it because of the 3d printing. I was like, I saw like a sale on them. I always thought that was really cool. And I wanted it for D and D initially. I wanted to like, <coughs> uh, build out terrain and, uh, miniatures for that. Cause they're way more expensive, uh, nowadays than when I started playing. And I was like, shit, I want to have like a lot of miniatures, you know, and I, <laughs> don't want to pay, you know, five to $10 for each of these. Mm-hmm. So I'll just get a 3d printer. And they, and that thing is like a whole hobby in and of itself. Right. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's, it's like a ton mm-hmm. of work to, I mean, it's, it's not like really hard to do once you, once you get going on it. But like, I mean, I spent a lot of time in the software figuring out how to set all of that stuff up and 
you know, get all the settings dialed in and shit. Um, but it's, you know, that was a whole thing of itself. And then when I, when I got that, I was just like, shit, I can print a whole Warhammer army. <laughs> and so the, the cost of the 3D printer stuff and my first bit of paint that I got was like $300. And that's a fraction of a Warhammer army. Right. So I was like, cool, I'll just do that. And I printed like pretty much my entire first army that I made. That's wild. Yeah. Like, how did you feel about like, uh, you know, because I guess like there's, you know, describing the way that Warhammer works. It's it's like, yeah, you can buy a lot of this stuff already mm-hmm. made, uh, but not painted, obviously. And that, that's a big part of it. I like I don't really know that much, but I've definitely seen some of the sets and they're really intricate and stuff. And it's oh, yeah. like, how did you feel about, like, being able to kind of, like, subvert the whole kind of DRM lock on Warhammer? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. you spend a shitload of money to right. play. Yeah, when are you going to start a... printing your own magic cards? <laughs> that's, that's, very, that's very, very much a thing, too. Really? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Proxies uh, are very, very much a thing. But uh, with the the Warhammer, printing the Warhammer army, I mean, I was just like, damn, you know, this does feel cool. Uh, like I am, I am just making sure that Games Workshop, a company that already has plenty of money and is constantly pissing off its customer base, uh, gets a little bit less money from me. Now I've gone out and bought plenty of stuff from them. Uh, after Some of those that, are just so, so sick. I'm not like, being that much of a rebel, really. Uh, but I mean, I, I thought it was really, but I, but I did really like that aspect of it, and I also liked that I wasn't just making direct copies of their miniatures. It was other mm-hmm. stuff that other people had made. Uh, which is another cool aspect of it, like another cool little aspect of like the 3D printed like Warhammer community. And, you know, I made my Imperial Guard and instead of them looking like the um, kind of Starship Troopers looking guys that are uh, the normal Imperial Guardsmen, mine kind of look like fucking like Stalingrad guys, you know, they got the long coats and the, and like, huh. <laughs> and little like PPSH looking uh, LAS rifles and stuff is cool. So like, I don't know, there's... There's like a ton of customization to it that I thought was really, really cool. Yeah, it mm-hmm. makes sense in a community where part of it is being creative and doing totally. that level of crafting that you would, it would be very easy for them to just take it to the next level given what that is. Yeah, that there is. are tons of sites out there. There's a ton of Patreons and like paid for stuff too where uh, artists, 3D artists make their own uh, you know, they don't call them, this is a space marine. They're like, this is a big space guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, so they have whole Patreons out there of, of that stuff where you download the STL files to make your own for whatever kind of army you're playing that you want to proxy up with those 3D printed versions. So have you, like, I, I, just talking about that kind of level, it's like, have you ever felt, like, how have you felt about, you know, the the siren's call of monetizing your hobby and like how have you kept it separate have you thought about monetizing it like you know like how has that worked because obviously everybody's like oh like i could turn this into something right then then it would be free i've had a couple people ask me if i would paint them miniatures or like print and paint their D &D figure or something like that and that's one that I like. I'll do, I'll do that for like friends and stuff for sure. Uh, there are tons of people that do that. Uh, they're they call it commission painters, uh, who are way better at it than me. <laughs> like I'm okay at it for somebody who is doing it for a couple months. 
but there yeah. are people who are way way better at it and i'm like i'm like i kind of feel i would feel bad taking that uh money from them but so i don't know i, I don't really want to do it with that and sitting down to paint is already such a time commitment that I want to be painting my own stuff if I'm going to be doing that. Like, I just started going back to school. Uh, I have, you know, a ton of other stuff that's going on. I don't want to do commission painting either, taking up some of that free time. And I've already I've already started monetizing my fucking baseball podcast. And that's... So, like, I've, I've already kind of done that with one hobby already. I don't want to do it. Like, you know that video of the... Um, of the, the woman sitting in her garage smoking a cigarette and she's like i hate my fucking lizard's instagram account every day i have to make yeah, a post yep. on this instagram account and it's my sole source of income it's like <laughs> yeah like i am i am at risk of of that being my baseball podcast so i don't want to do that with even more things here yeah yeah it's definitely a it's definitely a trap it um mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. from the level of uh putting yourself in the in the position to potentially doing customer service on yeah on right hobby right where yeah people are like hey yeah. this wasn't exactly the like blue that i was looking for and you're just yeah like, do you know how stupid i would feel if like somebody paid me a hundred dollars or something to paint up their miniature and i gave it to them and they didn't like it and they have this <laughs> dumb little piece of plastic I'm like yep sorry well what the fuck do you want me to do about it yeah, <laughs> not redoing that most, most people I know producing stuff for that they're selling, it's just like, look, I lost money making this for you. Yeah. <laughs> Between yeah. my own labor and my material costs, like most right. of my friends aren't charging what they deserve, really, for, for their time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that happens with artists where they're typically not super good with the whole money thing. Uh, <laughs> so they, they end up doing that like a lot, a lot, yeah. So you mentioned that you you did have uh, somebody who was like a, a very experienced in painting the yeah. figures and things like that. So like you know, I mean, obviously there are forums and and I'm sure that Reddit has a yeah. bunch of info. Um, how did you actually find somebody who could give you more direct application and advice? Well, yeah, like you said, there's like YouTube and Reddit have like tons of stuff out there now. Like they have, like there you could if I wanted if I'd wanted to I could have just started from there and watched a bunch of stuff on there and read guides and stuff. But uh, one of my best friends, former roommate of mine is a, uh, is an excellent painter. He's been doing it for 20 years. Uh, he's like a high school art teacher too. So he's very good at like instructing on this sort of stuff. And he's been trying to get me to play Warhammer for well over 10 years. And uh, right. <laughs> he's like, I know you'd love it. I know you'd love it. Just, just do it. And so I finally did it and he's like, all right, let's just, let's sit down and let me teach you how to do this properly. Um, and we, yeah. And over the course of like two days, cause we did like the, the priming and all the other stuff that you have to do for it. He showed me how to, how to paint. So I had, I was really lucky. I had someone that I'm close to that like, and wanted to teach me how to do yeah. it, uh, do that. But like when he started in the early two thousands, you know, when he's a teen, there was nothing out there really yeah. like a handful of like little people posting about it on their blogs or something maybe, but there's, you know, no YouTube, none of that sort of stuff. It, you basically, you had to have somebody like you'd go to a game shop and have somebody teach you how to do right. it. And maybe you'd come across a guy who did something really cool. Like you're really like, Oh fuck that. You know, that Eldar looks awesome. How did you get that effect? And then they would teach you. And that's, that, that's how everything spread. But, and, but now 
it's there's I mean there's a ton of techniques out there and there's a million ways to do it, but it's I don't know it's a little more homogenized than like the way that all that stuff does, stuff is done. Mm-hmm. So like the quality has gone way up. Like if you look at the the stuff that was painted 20 years ago, like it would be laughed at now. <laughs> um, like the technology is better, the techniques are better, the knowledge is better, but like it's yeah it's uh, I don't know there that 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 kind of magic of like. Oh, I ran into a guy and he taught me something that nobody else around here knows how to do. Is so cool though. Yeah. That's the thing I, I think the... um I was just going to say that's the thing that I think with like the like brick and mortar shops like that. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. the brick and mortar hobby shops are pretty much always in and out like they're yeah. while they're there you have to appreciate them. Um that <laughs> totally, one totally. you can you can find that pervert who's been looking to like it's almost like a vampire <laughs> like when you're in something that niche where you're yeah, just like yeah. you're looking to bring one more person into the brood um and, they're, <laughs> and that guy's floating around there and it's like, it's I not noticed... like every gaming <laughs> hobby like that is like yeah. there's always yeah yeah i noticed you were uh looking at the uh the miniature trees over there can i interest you in some other you know miniature yeah, yeah. Hobby game? But, um... how do you feel about trains <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty great <laughs> pretty great I le- yeah, I yeah, yeah. Of, like, I think a big... lot of people in hobbies are very into trains. Oh yeah, <laughs> for, for an obvious reason. I sure. went into a um, a trains hobby store in the suburbs. It was like booming. It was like a Saturday, and just like all the old guys in there going crazy, getting whatever epoxies you use to make. Uh, oh yeah, to make water, and then you like oh, you know spray cool. it with an air chuck so you get ripples and. Um, yeah, looking at all that stuff. I was like, oh man, it would be so fun to make Hot Wheels track. <laughs> with, yeah. With... yeah. And see, that's, that's another cool thing about the, the hobby stuff, like the miniatures hobby is that all the different flavors of it have different techniques and stuff. And it's cool when you can like learn from somebody else's, like there's, there's a huge amount of, of people, you know, mostly women that paint miniature horses mm-hmm. and like, just like, Nobody paints fur better than these people. We have so much to learn from that when we're like painting our beasts and stuff. Like we should talk to them how to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, these miniature uh, train guys, like they know so much about like making water and terrain and in stuff. Rust. Like, yeah, we need to talk. We need to talk to these guys. The, the model plane guys have their own thing. Like, oh yeah, they do glass really well mm-hmm. and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So like, yeah, there's, it's really, really interesting. Like looking up those things. Like I've done that before. Like, looking up those things like how do these guys use their airbrushes and stuff it's it's really interesting yeah i was gonna ask like uh you know with the internet and stuff like have you how have you had because like obviously you kind of had an inlet to the real the real world with someone <laughs> sure but it's like yeah like how have you found it to be like oh like i you know so much of this information and time is like online and there's yeah so easy to find people online to talk about it like how do you take that into the real world and like actually like facilitate relationships that way or have you not been able to? Um, I mean with Warhammer, it's been, I, I haven't done much of it, much of that. <laughs> like I, I did, a, I've been, I mean, I painted all that stuff, but like playing a game of Warhammer is so much work. <laughs> <laughs> I've only played like a handful of actual games of it. Um, and, and it was one where I kind of decided like this, this, this one is for, you know, this is a private club here. I'm not mm-hmm. taking this one to the hobby shops. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've seen 
<laughs> over my 20 some years of being a nerd and going to hobby shops that like I, I don't want to hang out with the war gamers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so like, I, I mean, I, I, it's mostly just, and, and honestly, I really like the painting and that stuff of it much mm-hmm. better anyway. Um, I don't feel like going to a hobby shop and playing. I, I am totally content with playing a couple games a year with uh, my friends that play and doing my painting and posting it online. I am totally fine with that. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> at the end of the day, that's that's all it is. I mean, it's I think right. that's the interesting thing is like the and it's something that I think we want to talk about just generally. It's just like the levels of commitment or whatever makes sense to you, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. Like if you want to play like role play games, you don't have to like DM something every week. Like you can you can do a yeah. once a month thing, like whatever the time commitment you have is because for a yeah, lot of people, absolutely. it's like. I can half do a lot of stuff, but then it stops being very fun. Um, or right. it actually pushes into where it's like the stuff, the part of it, you don't actually enjoy doing that much, you know, like, like for tie dye for me, like there are people that produce 20 or 30 pieces a week. And I'm just like, that's <laughs> not at all. What interests me about this art form? Like that's, yeah. that's a business. You're just, that's just a business. <laughs> Right. Yeah. At that point, like, I mean, when I was, when I was doing Warhammer painting a lot, uh, I was like very prolific for the short amount of time I was doing it. I mean, I painted my first army, uh, in 30 days, like a 2000 point army. And most people are like, you know, they, that's a year's worth of work to them. Like if I can find the motivation to do that shit, great, but it has to be like very fun at the time. And like, you know, the motivation waned, I don't quite have it right now. But um, I'll, I'll get I'll get it back. the The dog in me meter will go back up, you know, <laughs> at some point. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like uh, we're doing this for fun, so yeah. like, what's the point of pushing yourself a lot at the beginning, like, of these sort of things? It's it's great to do mm. them a lot because you're learning so fast and you get that reward right. um, mm. that you want to keep doing it. Like I was like, hell yeah, I'll go out and paint out in my garage for six hours a night, like. I'm getting so much better at this. This fucking rocks. I I love this new thing. But that's I mean it's a honeymoon period for sure. Yeah, once you uh-huh. get tolerance to the fumes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not getting as hot. Oh, and there are so many fumes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know our uh, the glue, the paints, the thinners. Oh yeah, yeah. We had a but not we had like the a resins. cosplay suit guy um, who's like a coworker who like made like a fucking cool. Batman suit, but he was like doing it in his apartment one night and he was just like. Well, uh, wife had to take me to the hospital. Like, <laughs> inhaled too many Batman suit fumes. And we're just like, holy shit, man. He's like, yeah, it looks sick, though. <laughs> you're like, yeah, man, it does look sick. It was worth, you know, 3% of my brain capacity yeah. <laughs> to, to make that Batman yeah. suit, though. Yeah. Oh, sure, sure, man. But I think that's uh, an important point, just that the, the, the earliest phase of the hobby, everything is exciting and new. Yes. You, you figure a technique out. You learn how to do something. You're you're buying shit, which rules. Yeah, buying buy shit rules. Yeah, buying shit absolutely. Rules. Like um, gear, I love gear. You know, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> it fucking rocks. Yeah. It's the best. It's the best. It's the best to figure out the perfect combination of gear. What all yep. the forums say is the mm-hmm. perfect combination of yep. gear. 
buying that, then coming up with an opinion why that gear is not as good, is overrated yeah. now. Finding the weird niche stuff that like you <laughs> yeah. don't know is bad yet, but you're like, I'm gonna be that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Being the person yeah, yeah. that's done five hours of the hobby, but you found the hipster item of, of gear to have. Yes. That's 100%. one of the best feelings in the yeah. world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so where do you think the, uh, the hobby is going to go for you? Like, how are you going to expand and, and find new interests? Uh, that one, I, I just want to keep painting. I have a, I have like an army that I'm almost done with. I, I a Necron army that I really like. Uh, is heavily inspired by that hobby, that prolific hobby streak painter I was talking about earlier, Dana Howell. Um, mm-hmm. Like her, her videos are awesome, and it's it's kind of like these, yeah, bright neon pinks and stuff with them that I really really like. So I just have a couple of like big pieces left to go on that. Mm-hmm. I want to finish out, and like I have like two or three other armies like planned out in my head that I want to do. So like really, the future of it for me is just like I just want to keep finishing these things, like keep finishing these pieces. Uh-huh. Um, get better at it. I mean, I don't really have the interest that like some people do where they're like, I'm going to win a golden demon, which is like the big, like, uh, you know, uh, trophy thing that you get for these competitions. I don't, I don't, I don't have any interest in that. I don't want to do the things where it's like, yeah, I spent 12 hours on this one little guy making everything perfect. Uh, part of it for me is like, I don't know, kind of the industriousness of it. Like, <laughs> I like being able to like, look at all this shit I painted. I kicked out so much stuff and it looks good. Mm-hmm. Um, so like yeah, I mean I just I just want to paint more armies. It's fun. Like I like doing it. I like amassing them and making my <laughs> and taking my little pictures of them and shit. And you yeah. know then play uh, play a dozen games a year or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. How I guess like as we're wrapping up here, like uh, I guess if someone is interested in sure. in doing this, like what would be a good kind of track to follow because that's kind of you know we want to expose we're exposing people to new hobbies so we want to mm-hmm. i feel like we should you know get get a little bit of a user's guide from sure. our our local experts <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> i mean like if you have someone that can teach you how to do it do that that's always going to be the best <laughs> and it's going to and it's like a good way to spend some time with your friends like i love it when a, a friend of mine is like you know expresses interest in a hobby i have that's like the greatest feeling in the world Absolutely. to like introduce uh, something like that to somebody, like teach somebody how to play magic or, you mm-hmm. know, something like that. That That's awesome. It feels so good. Like if you can do that, do that. Um, I mean, other than that, there's, there's so many guides on, you know, YouTube or that you can search up on how to get into miniature painting and it'll be for, for whatever flavor of it you want to do. If it's, you know, war gaming, whatever, there's a, a million guides out there and they're like, there's a ton of good ones. You are like, you know, you can't spit without hitting a good one, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll keep plugging that one. Dana Howell, she has a great series on it. Uh, on like, it's like a, a 101 level course sort of thing. <laughs> it's kind of designed oh, yeah. as for, for minute, for miniature hobbying where it starts with all, with all, with all the stuff, the, uh, you know, how to use the, the exacto knife to cut the things off of the sprues. That's what it's called when they're on the, Mm-hmm. Um, the little plastic thing, like how to cut them off the sprues, how to like do all that stuff, right? How to prime them, how to do all this shit. Like, yeah, she has a really, really great series on it. Giving a and bunch like, of free advertising to her. <laughs> and like, uh, like how, how much would you say it takes to get in, in the door? Um, I mean, if you just want to grab some paints and a box and a box of models, I mean, uh, a set of Warhammer models, you know, look up 
what army you kind of want to play with tons of videos on that too, about which one you should play and then just get a box of their like basic units, you know, get a, mm -hmm. a you know, a box of guardsmen or some, uh, some orc boys, you know, whatever mm -hmm. you want to do. And then just get, you know, probably, you know, you're probably looking at 80 bucks, 90 bucks total mm -hmm. to kind of get your foot in the door on this stuff. But you will end up spending a lot more than that. <laughs> you, you, will, you will always find a tutorial that uses some sort of like color shifting paint or some other weird shit that you hadn't that you hadn't thought of. And uh, and you will <laughs> get into that. Uh, you will be like, I need an airbrush now. <laughs> and is, shit, is there, like, so. is there uh, one piece of gear that you wish you would have got earlier? airbrush yeah. airbrush is so good <laughs> love that thing i didn't get it until like towards right towards the end of um the the first army that i made in mm -hmm. the first 30 days or at least i didn't set it up my friend gave me one but i didn't set it up until then but and like i are especially nice for like big things right um and so i'd painted like six tanks all by hand <laughs> and it fucking sucked when i did yeah. like my big valkyrie drop ship though I was just like, oh, this rocks. Mm -hmm. Like this, this piece is so this, this is so easy. I can do like cool little effects on the glass and stuff. Like the the airbrush is awesome. I use it on like every every figure now. Do you have like a compressor one, or do you just have one of the yep. little cans? Okay. Yeah. I just I've got, got the a, cans. Uh, I tried. Yeah. I still have to finish it. I have like a '67 Bronco, and so I've like painted, <laughs> cool. I've like painted the the body like Carolina blue, but I haven't. Awesome. That's really cool. The gluing and that, awesome. all that is the stuff I don't like. Painting is fun. Yeah. 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 No, I, I have a little one, a little compressor that goes off every 15 seconds while I'm using it. And it <laughs> and gets kind of annoying because I have a little leak in it, too. So it just is like I can zone it out. You know, now I can tune it out. But um, yeah, no, it's definitely the my, my favorite thing that I've gotten by far that I recommend like everybody gets if they're getting into this. I mean, uh -oh. I, I think that I mean, it's um you know, thank you for sharing that and, and going through your process and where you how you got to where you are. Oh, we just muted. Oh, yeah. Thanks for letting me uh, go all uh, go all hyper fixation on, <laughs> on talking about one of my hobbies. There's there's nothing kinder you can do for for a nerd. Than, than exactly. letting them do something like that so yeah thank you guys exactly it's time that we shone a light on things you can do <laughs> in your own home That's and right. then find a few people on the internet who will listen to you talk about it <laughs> yes perfect perfect <laughs> do we have you back now i don't oh, it looked, i don't think he looks back. he looks so close All oh right, there well. he goes <laughs> oh, oh he's back let's see can you hear me now yep. yeah yeah. Hey, my like I think my microphone crapped out or something. Yeah. So okay. fine. yeah, it's fine. I'll just record myself saying goodbye and then it was fine because you guys kept it going. <laughs> yeah, professional. <laughs> yeah. Well that's that's it for us, I think. <laughs> I think that's as much as we can possibly do uh for yeah. for right now. Um thank you so much for again yeah. coming on and Thanks for having me on. It's very fun. And I like doing somebody else's podcast for a change. Right. It's great. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you. We'll see everybody down the road. Right, Safe bye. travels. Bye.